hallmarks of Western society is the protection of children. And at CD Media, it's high on our list of priorities. We've been holding events around the country to really make people aware of the level of evil that's coming after our children. And it's a multifaceted attack. Last week, we held an event in Miami, and the stars were aligned as to the panel and how they interacted together. We had uh, a father, Raul, from Mexico City talking about children and the trafficking and the cartels and the kind of a 30,000-foot level evil discussion. We had Dr. Paul Merrick, who really got into the fraud in the medical system, Alana Fishbane from No Left Turn in Education, Kevin Jackson, who rocked the audience uh, with the discussions of uh, basically what, how we have to fight this fight. We had Dr. Chris Cassells, Wayne Black, who's a security specialist, and the Pfizer whistleblower, Brooke Jackson. It was an amazing panel, and we need your help to get this out to the world. We have a live stream available. Go to Miami Independent forward slash event, and you will be able to buy the live stream. It's a few bucks because we still have massive costs for this event. But we need to spread the word, and people don't know what they don't know. So please go to Miami Independent forward slash event and get the live stream. Hold an event at your house. It's 25 bucks. Bring your family. Bring your friends. Awaken them to what is happening to our children. I'm going to show a quick clip here. The pharmaceutical companies, the agencies, the federal government, the industries that support them are not interested in curing patients. Their goal is not to cure patients, it's to sell drugs and make money, even if those drugs or money kill patients. And they will do whatever it takes. As Brooke has told you, it's a truly astonishing thing. The level of fraud that you could actually manipulate and make up data to sell a drug that is harmful. It is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one. The investigators tell us it seems the suspect was going to pass them, then turned and fired. Christine, Laura, what you're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations. Arise to support the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. And I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow. Welcome back to Information Operation. We have with us, and uh, excuse me if I butcher your last name, but Andreas Laszlo, is that correct? Yes. Uh, good enough? Okay. Uh, he is a former political advisor to the ruling Fidesz party in Hungary, and now is a uh, political analyst uh, in country. So welcome. Thanks for coming on and speaking with us, Andres. Hello. So um, the situation in Ukraine is obviously impacting Hungary. Uh, you've got you know refugees coming up your way. You have pressure to get involved in the conflict uh, from the West and the Europe and or the EU and the US. Uh, where do you see the general conflict as it relates to Hungary at this point and your possible involvement or uh, impact on the country? Well, um, Hungary is, an, is a direct neighbor to Ukraine, so obviously the refugee flow has been the biggest challenge, as well as, you know, providing humanitarian assistance uh, to Ukrainian refugees, but also to Ukraine 
different parts of Ukraine. Um, this has been our major involvement there. Of course, uh, Hungary is a member of the European Union, so all of the mm -hmm. sanctions packages uh, are adopted with um, the approval of the Hungarian government, although negotiations are always going on on sensitive uh, national interests regarding to sanctions because the different mm -hmm. European countries have different uh, economic dependencies, energy dependencies, uh, etc. So what we'd like to uh, avoid, what the government would like to avoid since day one is uh, a situation where Hungary would get uh, dragged into this war um, mm -hmm. uh, because the Hungarian population is very clearly uh, against, uh, against this uh, scenario. So you have the U.S. government, um, you know, in the past there's been conflicts with a lot of the Soros entities in Hungary, and now you have the current U.S. government really working hand-in-hand hand with some of those. And I know Samantha Powers just came back in country and said she wants to bring democracy, quote, back to Hungary or in so many words. And, and that to us means maybe, you know, an attempt at a color revolution or something like that. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, the, the relationship, lateral relationship between Hungary and the United States has been very difficult um, for uh, many years now. Um, unfortunately, it's very much dependent on domestic U.S. politics. It's more dependent on that than actually what's going on between the two countries. Uh, what we've seen is that under democratic administrations, um, the, the relationship usually sours, um, mm -hmm. This is the same situation now under the Biden administration. Um, we've, we've seen the bilateral relations improve significantly during um, the Trump administration. Although there were different national interests, which I think is normal. Um, Hungary and the U.S. are situated uh, very differently. There's a big size difference. There's a big, you know, many differences. But, you know, we both belong culturally to the West. We're both Christian nations. Uh, we're not that far apart. Yet it seems that this kind of um, leftist um, ideological based policy in the U.S. is kind of spreading towards, um, um, you know, spreading into foreign policy. Uh, we've had Antifa attacks recently also in Hungary. We've had um, very strong LGBT and, and lobbying related to gender ideology. Uh, what can, what kind of material can be given to uh, minors, etc. So th these are issues which are not traditionally diplomatic issues, which are not normally intergovernmental issues. But unfortunately, they do feature uh, under democratic administrations in our bilateral relations. We try to, you know, be patient. We try to, uh, you know, stand uh, stand ground and defend our sovereignty in terms of cultural, educational, national matters. That's where, mm -hmm. that's where we are. So do you see involvement with the State Department and also, I mean, I know in the Balkans and other regions nearby that uh, the State Department is actively involved in trying to put the type of government in that they want. Do you see involvement from the actual, you know, U.S. diplomatic corps actively involved in, in, for lack of a better word, kind of a regime change operation in, in Hungary? Since the end of communism in Hungary more than 30 years ago now, we've had the biggest uh, election interference scandal last year. Uh, last year in, in April, we had national elections, parliamentary elections. We don't elect uh, the head of the government 
president or prime minister directly. We elect it through parliament. So the parliamentary elections are the major elections. And um, what we had is not so much a direct U.S. government interference, but interference from the American left. Uh, the scandal was about 3 billion Hungarian forints, which is roughly at the time uh, $7.5 million worth of funding that arrived through um, uh, kind of like a political action committee set up in the U.S., mm-hmm. but targeting Hungary mostly and set up with Hungarian members. And mm-hmm. the, the source of the funding is, uh, is unclear. Uh, Hungarian security um, services are looking into the matter. They're investigating uh, some of this investigation and the links through different organizations who were the beneficiaries of this money in Hungary are now revealed. They have been declassified. Uh, a presentation of the network, of the sums of when um, the transfers were made from the U.S. to Hungary were made public, but it's still very obscure. What we see is that there was obviously uh, um, interference attempt. Just to understand, seven and a half million dollars right from the United States, and another about three million dollars worth of Hungarian foreigns arrived from a no-name foundation set up in Switzerland. So a total of like ten bill, ten million dollars worth of funding arrived to the Hungarian opposition. Um, it's worth knowing that the Hungarian opposition consisted of all the opposition parliamentary parties that were in the previous cycle in the Hungarian parliament. That includes socialists, that includes liberals, that includes greens, that includes even the far right, which is traditionally an anti-Semitic racist party. And so it was a very, very strange mix, very awkward coalition. But they received the funding. Um, The money was spread through different organizations linked to all of these parties. But formally, um, there was a loophole. The Hungarian uh, electoral law and party financing laws only ban financing, foreign financing to political parties. And in this case, what happened was it was organizations working for the opposition campaign which received this funding. So uh, it currently seems that it was not illegal. They found a legal loophole to provide this funding. But this sum, $10 million in the Hungarian election campaign, that's basically 90 to 100% of the opposition's funding. And this wow. is a huge scandal. This is a huge scandal. Basically, uh, all of their funding was provided from abroad. Uh, there are there's proof of um, different um, companies set up buying data of Hungarian citizens who were then targeted uh, during the campaign. So it's very dodgy. It's very shady. Uh, but the thing hasn't been uncovered yet. Let's shift to energy. Um, obviously, Hungary, you know, uses some Russian energy. The uh, in, in in the West is trying to literally destroy it. You know they blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, Nord Stream two, primarily. Uh, you know the Ukraine transit uh, issue is 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 huge. Uh, you know since the war that no energy is coming into Southern Europe via Ukraine, at least natural gas. Where does Hungary stand at the moment uh, for energy supplies, and what does it look for in the future? You've had a lot of nuclear coming back online in the West. Where, where does Hungary stand? Well, the EU sanctions packages do include sanctions on energy. So that includes coal, mm-hmm. oil, uh, not gas and not nuclear yet, but mm-hmm. in, it includes very important imports. Uh, Hungary is a landlocked country. Uh, 
So we cannot import via tankers either oil or either oil or LNG. So we are dependent on physical infrastructure such as pipelines. We are dependent on our neighboring countries through which these pipelines run. So we don't have the kind of diversification options as most countries have. Uh, in the last few months, we've seen Germany set up offshore LNG terminals. We've seen Poland set up, uh, finish a new pipeline uh, that comes from Norway. So all the countries, all the European countries have different energy mixes. They have different options, different strategies. And for a landlocked country, this is extremely difficult. The benefit Hungary has is that from these EU sanctions, because of this situation, there was a, an exemption for energy, Russian energy imports that come via pipeline. So that's a kind of a alleviation for, um, for Hungary. But we are moving towards uh, diversification. We have been moving for many years. There are new interconnectors built. There are new projects uh, being set up. About 15, about, uh, I think, 20%, I'm not completely accurate, but in the ballpark, 20% of our um, gas usage was domestic gas. We've in, we are now increasing that output by 30% to, in, to um, limit our dependency on import. But gas usage in Hungarian households for heating has a very, very high share in the 80, 80 85% of households. And most of that import comes from Russia. So our options in terms of gas imports are very limited. Uh, there's no short-term solution um, for diversifying. Uh, we're looking into, the government is looking into different uh, options. And of course, of course, every little bit helps, but it's not an issue we can solve in a year or two. Talk to us about global issues. Where do you see this conflict going? Um, it's very dangerous. Uh, Biden just arrived and they're touting him as a Churchill. Um, I see it as just mere sheer escalation and very, very dangerous. What are your thoughts? Obviously, the biggest impact on Europe is, uh, is the economic impact. When the war uh, broke mm -hmm. out, when Russia invaded Ukraine, um, both the U.S. and the European uh, Commission president um, said that there would be sanctions on Russia. And the aim of those sanctions is to limit Russia's uh, uh, financing of this war and that this mm -hmm. would end this war. We're now one year in or almost one year in. This hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. The sanctions yeah. were not well prepared. Um, the impact on the European economy is huge. Uh, the leverage of Russia as an energy exporter towards Europe has been vastly underestimated. Um, the, uh, the EU has uh, adopted nine san sanction packages so far. There's a tenth in the making. But uh, despite the very bad uh, effects on the European economy, there has been no assessment of uh, the impact of the sanctions. Mm -hmm. And what we see is that there was recently a think tank which calculated that all of the EU governments which have enacted kind of like um, um, measures to safeguard, uh, to shield the Europe European economy and consumers um, from the energy crisis cost up to 800 billion euros. That's that's a little bit less yeah. than dollars, but that's still like in 750 or something billion dollars. That's a huge sum. And this is just 
against shielding against the effects of the of the crisis it's not solving the root cause uh, which is high energy and the energy independence so the, the future for the european economy looks very bleak we had a mild winter which helped reduce uh, gas tension consumption so gas reserves still remain relatively high higher than in in many previous years but the, this, the, the war remains unsolved. The economic security of Europe remains unsolved. Mm -hmm. If you have no cheap energy in Europe, then European economy, European industry becomes uncompetitive. Um, mm -hmm. This will have sooner or later, this is going to have an impact on the US economy as well. It must because Europe is also a big buyer of, European, of uh, American products. Uh, at the at, there will be a point where the Euro European economy may reach uh, a situation where where demand will decrease significantly and that will impact the U.S. But even last October, November, the French president lashed out against the Biden administration because of the what you call the there's this act, the Inflation Reduction Act, which also includes a lot of heavy subsidies for key industries and growth industries in the U.S. and in Europe, and it's creating a, a it's it's upsetting the level playing field for European companies and U.S. companies. So there's now also inside a sort of a trade war between Europe and the U.S. When we're supposed to be standing together, we're supposed to be, you know, in a world where, um, you know, I see the U.S. debate going on about maybe the U.S. should be focusing on China and not so much on Russia. Uh, there's also kind of worry in Europe that, okay, how is the entire international order uh, transforming, changing right now? What about decoupling? What about reshoring? And it seems that the US and the EU have different interests. We're competing with one another. Instead of a, a world where globalization is really folding back, we should be cooperating stronger. And this doesn't seem to be um, the situation. Hungary is a small country with uh, and very dependent on export markets. So, you know, a trade war is not in our interest. Uh, we want to have good relations. We want to have the European economy going, the American economy going. Mm -hmm. uh, but currently, nothing has happened in terms of uh, economic consequences of the war, uh, as European leaders or Western leaders said would happen. What we have is is really sanctions backfiring, backfiring, and and the situation where um, it's still unresolved. And it, there's still no strategy on where we will be one year from now, two years yeah. from now. Yeah. And it really begs the question, okay, so if we have no strategy, then why are we adapting, again, new and new economic sanctions? And Hungary is right in the middle of all of it, economic, military, uh, everything, really the center of, of what's happening. Well, militarily, we've stayed out of the war, and this yeah. is uh, one of the policies for which uh, the Hungarian government gets the most criticism. We provide humanitarian aid. We provide for the refugees coming from Ukraine, uh, but we do not um, send weapons right. into Ukraine right. because we say that would be a cause for, you know, war or could be, you know, escalating or extending the war. Mm -hmm. And we definitely want to avoid that. And there's also a a Hungarian minority of about 150,000 ethnic Hungarians living in Western Ukraine. Obviously, if we would be delivering weapons to Ukraine that would go through 
uh, the region where Hungarians live, which then for, you know, for as terms of military logistics, it can become a target for Russian missiles, Russian airplanes. Sure. And um, for now, at least, uh, the destruction of the war has not reached that region yet. So we we want to keep it that way. And how is the Hungarian minority being treated in Ukraine at this point? It's a very difficult question. Um, I know there's had, a lot of language issues in the past. In the last 30 years, we had ups and downs with different Ukrainian governments on how they treated their minorities, not only the Hungarian ones, but other ones. Uh, when the war broke out a year ago, the government clearly said, okay, we have our differences with the Ukrainian government, but we're going to show solidarity with uh, the people of Ukraine. And we're not gonna be, you know, using the the minority issue, uh, you know, to to blackmail the Ukrainian government or anything, uh, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, what's happening now is that you know, Ukraine seems to be running short on soldiers. So members of the Hungarian minority are also being drafted and sent. Of course, they are dying for Ukraine. And at the same time, recently, you know. Uh, I think already twice uh, since the war began, the Ukrainian government parliament uh, modified laws to further impede on minority rights. Uh, Flags are being removed. Hungarian symbols are being removed from schools and other institutions in areas in cities, towns, which are uh, either primarily Hungarian or have a significant Hungarian minority. And we don't understand why this is a priority when Ukraine is fighting for its sovereignty and fighting a bloody war. I, it, it just, it, there's yeah. just no explanation. We've heard no explanation why this is necessary in time of war. Thank you so much for coming on. I'll end it there. And I think we got what we needed as far as really U.S. involvement. So thank you. And if you see anything like that or, or more information on that, please send it our way. And, uh, yeah. What we had with uh, what we had with the visit of Samantha Power, mm-hmm. Powers and and um, the USAID, what they announced was a 20, 20 million dollar package to you know bolster uh, media, civil society, of course, not only in Hungary but in seven countries here in the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it in the context of the ten million dollars which arrived for the political campaign of the opposition. Uh, this has some very, very bad vibes in Hungarian mm-hmm. society. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's honestly, it's a terrible timing. Um, but you know, they must know what they're doing. Well, no, I think it's quite obvious what they're doing, which is uh, it's uh, it's, not only, to, it's not only it's not only targeted. Obviously, the timing is not going to be coordinated to whatever they want to do specifically in Hungary. But um, they already set up uh, Radio Free Europe two or three years ago. Or maybe more, uh, which again was kind of like a shock in Hungarian society. Is why do that? Last yeah. time we had that was during communism when we were oppressed. Now we're a free right. country, we're a democracy. What 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 need is there for for reopening or restarting Radio Free Europe? So that's where we stand right now. Thank you very much. Take Thank care. You. I'll be in touch.